This is Report Back, the San Francisco chapter of the Democratic Socialists of America podcast. Our chapter is made up of 1,000 members and 16 issue-based and internal-facing committees where the heart of our organizing happens. This is a praxis-centered podcast where we talk about the tactics and strategies of winning socialism with the organizers who plan and implement them. Hi, my name is Darby Thomas, and I'm co-chair of the Mobilizer Committee for the DSA San Francisco chapter. Hi, my name is Tim. I'm a organizer with the Transport Workers Union. All right. And today we're going to be talking about the Bay Area Ford Go Bike Workers joining the Transport Workers Union of America. So way back on Thursday, uh, March 28th, Bay Area Ford Go Bike Workers voted to join the Transport Workers Union of America. So, uh, Tim, I wanted to start off with maybe just like what's your like personal history with like labor organizing? I, it actually kind of started a while ago. I'll try not to make a huge kind of tangent of this, but it, it was one of the first things that got, that got my feet on the ground um, in, in general with activism. For a while, I, w- I was kind of a, the rebel without a cause in high school, but it was around uh, the early years of my college years that I kind of got drawn into the labor struggle, uh, mainly because I'm from Chicago, Illinois. We have a deep history of uh, labor obviously with the Haymarket riots, but also in uh, 2000, I think it was 2010, 2011, Scott Walker, the governor of Wisconsin at the time, uh, had taken away collective bargaining rights from public sector workers in Wisconsin. That was the first time that I actually organized people into carpools to go from Chicago, Illinois, to the capital uh, of Wisconsin, Madison, to protest these uh, egregious acts. And from there, I, I, I uh, another, um, uh, I guess, kind of milestone for me was uh, being a rank and file at the RWDSU and organizing one of the first guitar center unions in the country, and then being brought onto the bike share in Chicago, uh, which is also uh, repped by TWU, and then moving out to San Francisco where they had no union and organizing it out here. I don't know if you saw, but like some exciting DSA news from like Chicago is that uh, like something like six uh, DSA members just got elected to city council there. So sorry. Yeah, I I did see that. And I'm so psyched and have so much hometown pride right now, like bursting out of my heart. Yeah, we've got like a lot of catching up to do. Like I've got that competitive spirit. It's like, oh, like how many like socialists can we get into like city politics now Mm -hmm. in San Francisco? Cool. Yeah. So like mo- moving on, uh, thanks for sharing your, your personal history. But like now to get into the history of this like specific unionization effort. Yeah. How did that like how did that get kick started? So this was an interesting case because this was one of the kind of outlier bike shares of a run by a specific company called Motivate, which had not been organized by the Transport Workers Union. It was kind of like a holdout in a weird way. And they had tried even before they got their infamous sponsorship by Ford and their aggressive expansion that precipitated from that, they were just called Bay Area Bike Share. And then Ford came in and gave them millions of dollars to slap their names on everything. And that led them to expand beyond just the financial district in San Francisco and into Oakland and Berkeley and you know the Mission District in San Francisco and Haight-Ashbury, a broader um, uh, system in San Jose as well. How this particular one started was because of the kind of pressure of that expansion on the workers. It was very much a smaller kind of uh, chill effort, uh, you know, before that. It was mainly kind of 
It was for show, I, I guess, before, you know, Ford came in. And, and, and in many ways, after Ford came in, it was still for show. It was just became this kind of huge broadcasted thing. I guess it, it, uh, it, the expansion kind of pressured the workers, and, and they were led on this carry on a stick for two years of, oh, you know, things will get better. This is just like a growing pains type of a thing. Oh, you know, you'll have this, you'll have that. And, you know, six months down the line, no changes, you know, eight months down the line, no changes. Oh, hey, we finally got this one thing that we had promised, you know, nine, ten months ago. Oh, hey, you finally got this one thing that we promised a year and a half ago. Meanwhile, so many other uh, complications had come through. And I guess people were tired of getting kind of pushed around and led on false promises. They wanted a little bit more stability in the workplace. And... It, I think the, the huge kind of change came when Lyft, the car share, essentially bought out Motivate and became the owners of the bike share, essentially. There, there's some legalese in there about, you know, who technically has what part in the partnership, but essentially uh, Lyft owns all of the kind of like bike share assets and Motivate is now, you know, just paid to operate it. And that's, uh, you know, another form of how Lyft kind of keeps distance from actually having hourly wage workers on directly on their payroll, uh, you know, by keeping a buffer kind of company that they can third party in there to keep lower wage workers off of their payroll, uh, which is kind of something that we see in a lot of these gig uh, economy, you know, uh, uh, companies. Oh, geez, that's like really sneaky. So they're called Ford Go Bikes. So um, I guess like me being on the outside, I would assume like these must be like Ford employees, but that's not the case. They're you're actually or the the workers are actually motivate workers. But then Lyft owns the infrastructure. That is really complicated and confusing. Wow. It it is very complicated, yes. Uh, which is it, it, which is why it's it's a difficult conversation to have, and I feel like that's kind of how these larger corporations want it is they you know they they want to make this you know kind of complicated so that it's hard to suss out the actual situation going on oh yeah so uh yeah thanks for for sharing that so we've uh dsasf has been involved in another labor organizing effort which was the anchor steam unionization um which uh they won their uh, vote to join the ILWU recently. And Mm -hmm. I think that there's like a shared similarity in that the sort of like pressure and that sense of urgency to unionize came after they were bought out by Sapporo. And then uh, Sapporo started to like make some workplace changes that folks didn't like agree with. And then also people saw their hours getting cut and then folks getting laid off. And it, it just sounds like there's a similar thing going on with motivate workers where, uh, you know, the purchase from Lyft maybe caused this, like, sense of urgency. Absolutely. Yeah, when a, when a billion, when an entity worth billions of dollars comes into the situation, workers kind of tend to get a little bit freaked out. You know, when it went from a system of maybe five or six workers in, in 2016 to a system of about, you know, 100 workers by uh, 2019, they kind of saw that, uh, things were going to change rapidly and that if they didn't kind of dig themselves in, that they could get mulled over pretty quickly. 
Yeah. Uh, so I was reading in the Examiner, the San Francisco Examiner, that mm-hmm. um, you know, so like wages and your your pay rate, th- those are always like very important things for workers. But it seems like um, a larger, like maybe uh, a more motivating like demand was actually just like stability and like um, workplace like scheduling and stuff like that. Uh, so do you want to speak to that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So. It, it, this company, uh, the, you know, this launch, essentially, this expansion of the bike share um, was always kind of touted. It, it, it always felt like um, in the in the office culture, maybe not in uh, amongst the workers themselves, but in the office culture, it felt like a startup. And it was, uh, you know, uh, this being the Bay Area, uh, like no shortage of tech startups happening and stuff like that. It's always, you know, touted as this, you know, like, hey, you know, we don't have a lot of the resources, but we're just going to. We're just gonna, you know, hunker down and 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 get through it. And like, man, like what we're doing is awesome. Like, you know, we all have to do three or four jobs at once. But like, man, what we're doing is great, and it'll be, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel. And you know, all these carrots on the sticks and, and stuff like that. And so these workers were really in the reality when you looked at what other of uh, the bike share systems who were unionized were doing was essentially one employee the task of three or four or even more employees of another system. So, you know, yes, they were getting paid um, a little bit more than others in the system, but you could also look at that as, well, because of the cost of living in San Francisco, they really weren't getting paid all that much more. You know, when they're doing the work of three or four other employees and getting pivoted from their responsibilities on, you know, an hourly basis sometimes, you know, hey, go and you're going to be doing this today, you know, two hours later, oh, no, we need you to do this. Oh, no, we need you to do that. You know, it came from a very chaotic place. In the beginning, I feel like the workers just kind of rolled with it. It's like, all right, this is, you know, crazy disorganization, but, you know, this is a new thing that we're doing. You know, hopefully it'll, like, solidify from this kind of, you know, weird, uh, like fluid dynamic that it just seems so chaotic. And then after a while, people realize that like, oh no, like they're just going to keep doing this until we put our foot down. You know, there, there isn't going to be any kind of stability on the horizon unless, you know, we organize. And yeah, so that's, you know, that was definitely one of the large factors. Obviously pay and benefits is, is a big thing that everyone wants. Um, you know, like immediate, you know, uh, protection and, and uh, flourishing of your livelihood, but also just the work environment in general and the work itself. Um, you know, we want this to be a place that, you know, people actually, you know, look forward to and, and can be proud of working at. Uh, like, um, you can't see me because we're on the phone, but I was like cringing when you were talking about like, oh, we, like, we all have to wear many hats and we all have to like do a little bit extra uh, because like I am a tech worker and I like heard bosses say that. Um, and like, it's knowing, so disgusting. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's, it's very like, what's the classic like, oh, we're like, we're a family member. We're all in this together when like clearly some people are going to benefit when, um, you know, you the company goes public and other folks who whose work and um, labor actually creates the value will will never see any of that payoff. Yeah, exactly. And it's like when you're working paycheck to paycheck, you know, a lot of these people who weren't familiar with unions to begin with, you know, they, you know, they wouldn't speak out or anything like that. You know, the, the they would host these monthly what they would call huddles um, where 
you know, employees were encouraged to speak out about what the company could do better. And then shortly, you know, after about, you know, six or eight months into it, they realized like, oh, like nothing is going to get addressed. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the real happenings aren't, aren't going to come from this. So it's, it's been great to finally get workers to be able to speak out and kind of push back and, uh, and tell bosses to leave the room so that the workers can talk amongst themselves about, you know, a, a, a specific happening or, or, or change in, in, in policy or, or the company structure. You know, that was, that was really awesome to uh, hear about how they handle one of those captive audience meetings. Um, yeah, so what mm-hmm. was community support like for this effort? How did, like, um, DSA, Bernie Kratz, Bicycle Coalition, all these folks, like, um, help in supporting this effort? It, it was awesome. It came sudden and it came, like, super fast. Like, this was one of the first campaigns that we had support before we had actually won an election. I'm used to community support, you know, during, like, a bargaining thing uh, or, um, you know, a contract uh, bargaining process where, you know, maybe the employer has started dragging its feet or bargaining in bad faith and you, and you kind of need to put some pressure on that. Um, I was super inspired by the um, Anchor Steam media campaigns and community support campaigns and stuff like that. I'd never seen anything like that before. And I, I had gone to an Oakland Teacher Solidarity um, event, uh, at, I think it was El Rio, uh, in the Mission in San Francisco. Um, and I met uh, some people from the uh, DSASF Labor Committee and started attending their meetings and saw a vast array of people who were just itching for any kind of like labor campaign to lend their support to, especially if the people who are interested in uh, DSA as well. And it, it was almost, uh, it, I was, I was overwhelmed. Uh, the other organizer on the uh, campaign uh, was overwhelmed and uh, was, was taken aback at the amount of support, the amount of just ideas, the amount of, you know, volunteers that like threw themselves at, at this campaign. And uh, it was a last minute kind of thing uh, for the, the election push, but we got something like 30 volunteers uh, who offered their assistance. Between that and was also through a DSA member linked up with the San Francisco Bike Coalition, which was a huge surprise to get their official support. But also, like one of the one of my favorite things about this campaign, maybe more so, maybe more so than Bernie, uh, just because I feel like San Francisco Bike Coalition has such an amazing history in in this city, and it's and it's been here for the citizens of San Francisco through so much, and is arguably going through uh, a change in its own leadership and, you know, who is, is trying to represent who um, as far as transportation is concerned. So to even just bring the discussion to the San Francisco Bike Coalition about supporting these bike share workers who are trying to, you know, fulfill the San Francisco Bike Coalition's mission to get, despite all, you know, possible, you know, resistance within the organization, to support this was, it, it was, it was awe inspiring, like to be perfectly honest. And then on top of that, you know, when a, when a socialist candidate for the, the presidential 2020 election um, gives you a tap on the shoulder on Twitter, that, that doesn't hurt either. Um, that kind of blew my mind. And so like, I, I felt like all of these things came in within a couple of weeks, just from kind of like opening the door to it, you know, like, 
And uh, I feel like a lot of these, you know, connections came from, you know, going to these uh, DSA meetings and meeting um, folks who, you know, or it's just like, well, like, oh, like, how, it's like, how can we help? Like, oh, like, maybe we can choose this, maybe we can choose that person. Just the kind of network of support that the DSA already has. And then realizing that, you know, we can not only, you know, get support for this campaign, but then also support other people within the DSA who want to get similar campaigns uh, going on now, which might be public in the future, but uh, I can't say anything just yet. So yeah, it's been it, it, working with the DSA and, and, and San Francisco has been fantastic. I I I, I couldn't say enough positive things. Um, oh, I'm, I'm getting like real weepy over here. Like oh, like, <laughs> the, the comrades, they're good. They're extremely good. Um, yeah, and like this next mm-hmm. bit, if it's a little too like hot and spicy, I can like edit that out. Um, So I was a little shocked at the Bicycle Coalition's uh, endorsement because I think um, I'm not I'm I'm a member, but I'm not like super up on like internal politics. But like in my Mm -hmm. brain, I've got it clocked that one of the like, uh, do they have a board of directors? Someone in their leadership, I think, is like like works for Ford Go Bikes, like HQ or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Um, a little weirded out by that. But like in the end, their endorsement came through and that's really cool. Yeah, so it is like a democratically run organization. Uh, and, you know, un- unfortunately, a lot of the people who can pay for the exposure to win, you know, elections, you know, are the ones that win. And a lot of that, you know, uh, finance for these elections and, uh, and for their exposure, um, you know, comes through corporate donations or, you know, these kind of ties. I feel like every city right now is is in in a way being challenged on who gets to be the kind of uh, leaders in transportation in their cities. And with Lyft acquiring, you know, Ford Go Bike, with uh, Uber coming out with jump bikes, um, with line bikes emerging, um, with all these scooters being <laughs> thrown on the city streets without telling anybody and then thrown away and then put back, um, it's, uh, it, it's kind of a grab bag of, of, of corporate power. Um, and one of the things that I was, you know, extremely excited about in this campaign was like in, in a city run, you know, by so many corporate interests that get to influence democratic systems, whether it be through the city or through the state or through the federal law or through even, you know, nonprofit advocacy groups, you know, all these people want to get as much influence as possible. But at the end of the day, the San Francisco bike coalition is a democratically run organization and uh we were very excited that the that the group um you know decided to not only listen to us and uh and 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 talk with us but uh you know officially support us and i feel like it's kind of every everyone's duty to be a part of those organizations and put pressure on the people that are elected democratically to really represent their constituents instead of, you know, the the kind of corporate influencers who are trying to take over these organizations who should be for the people and for the city itself. Yeah, I can get behind that sentiment like 100%. Cool. So I think that does it for me. Um, Is there 
anything that our listeners or uh, members of DSASF or like anyone tuning in uh, can do to like help any future future efforts uh, for TWU or the Ford Go Bike workers? Um, yeah, so uh, we have our, our uh, kind of mailing list of volunteers that we'll send updates to. Uh, we're kind of in a holding pattern right now until our uh, kind of first bargaining session. Uh, we're just kind of working with our workers to see what um, their priorities are and what they would like to see in future contracts. Um, but I would say, um, yeah, like, uh, you know, we'll be doing, uh, hopefully doing uh, a better job at uh, utilizing the support that we've gained from you guys. This is one of the kind of largest volunteer groups that I've worked with directly. Um, and so, yeah, we, we will um, be sending out updates on, you know, future events, um, doing a, uh, uh, probably a, a website or a better Twitter account, <laughs> um, and, uh, and our social media so that people can stay up to date about those things. Um, so yeah, probably by the end of the month, we'll have, we'll have done our first, uh, bargaining session and I'm sure we'll have a lot to gripe about, uh, and kind of center some, um, actions about if people want to get their boots on the ground. And also it all, it always helps to have, you know, folks who are uh, keen on social media or uh, petitioning and stuff like that to uh, get involved as well. You know, you don't have to necessarily be, you know, on the, on the streets in order to make a difference. Any help would be grateful. Heck yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Tim, for taking the time to chat with me. All right. Thanks, Darby. Thanks right. for having me. The Democratic Socialists of America is the largest socialist organization in the United States. We have over 120 chapters in 49 states. We're an activist organization, not a political party. To become a member, go to dsausa.org. To find out what our local chapter is up to, visit dsasf.org. Our intro music is by Young Tomsky.